2: Let's go there with Sheera and Ryan. Entertainment. Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. Hello, hello. Happy Thursday, everyone. This is Let's Go There with Sheera and Ryan, where we catch you up on the news of the day, pop culture, our crazy lives, and so much more plus fun music in between. Right here on channel
1: Q. Guess what? I took a trip down memory lane today. Oh, throwback. Um, yeah. So I ordered, I order a lot of things online, you know. I feel like I'm a true millennial. Gen Zer in that way, where I try to rarely go into a store at this point. So Amazon, my dog food, Chewy, it's all really ordered online at this point. Mm-hmm. But by accident, I delivered it to my old apartment. Oh, that sucks. And I had to drive to my old apartment before coming in here. And they almost didn't want to give me my package. They were like, "We you used to live here. We don't know you because it's always new staff in the le- the, the leasing department." Yeah. And they almost didn't. Want, I was like, "It's just dog food. Are you going to hoard my dog's food and then she's going to starve to death? And it's going to be because of you?" I almost had to like have a whole moment today. Capture them on camera. Yeah, I was like, like "Don't I'm post be, you on social media. Don't be a dog food Karen, please." No, but it was it was fine. They ended up giving and it to me. And it's always
2: drama. Uh, good. It's always weird to go back to where you used to live.
1: Oh my god, it's so weird because well, I just recently moved, so it's kind of like, and I happen to live near where I used to live, so it's not too far of a drive. But just going down memory lane, it just floods you with all of these old uh-huh. emotions and mm-hmm. just thoughts about oh my god, I spent the majority of my life in here yeah. when i moved out here so it was just it was just wild
2: that's so how i feel when i go to my ex's spot where unfortunately sometimes i still get mail and stuff and Ooh. like all that and i went back and then i have a friend living there well because he's not there even though he owns the spot yeah. and so i'd be walking in there and just like It's Yeah, it brings back a lot. I was like, I'm getting emotional. (laughs) You you, You live a life there, a part of your life there, and then it's just like, okay, that period's over. Yeah, Moving on. It's
1: true. It's very, very real. Walking down memory lane is not always a happy thing.
2: Nostalgia. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's Earth Day. We're celebrating Mother Earth today. I mean, I know she's looking at us all crazy. Like, what are you doing? She's about to be like... How dare you abuse me like this? I think that's
1: why she gave us crappy weather today in L.A. today. Probably. This is what you get, humans. It's snowing everywhere, to be quite honest. We're going to be breaking down Biden's climate goal,
2: he announced today, and how it will impact you. Plus, more on a study around LGBTQ plus youth that revealed very concerning results. That's at 4.35 p.m. Pacific, 7.35 p.m. Eastern. But first, let's get into some What's Trending This Hour. Uh, President Biden is hosting his climate summit the next two days with 40 world leaders and shared some big goals that he plans to implement today.
3: By maintaining those investments and putting these people to work, the United States sets out on the road to cut greenhouse gases in half in half by the end of this decade. That's where we're headed as a nation. And that's what we can do if we take action to build an economy that's not only more prosperous, but healthier, fair and cleaner for the entire planet. You know, these steps will set America on a path of net zero emissions economy by no later than 2050.
2: The presidents of Russia and China attended the event at the White House aimed to confront those countries on various foreign policy issues uh, and work together on climate policy. And uh, of course, that was what's trending this hour. What's coming up next on the Tea
1: Report, Ryan? All right, so next hour, we got to talk about. I think Snoop Dogg just implied that he smoked weed with President Obama. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got the, all the details on that story coming up next hour. So you may want to stick around because my Tea Reports today are
2: juicy. Well, coming up next, Biden revealed those climate goals today, but how will they pass Congress? Polit- Politico joins us to break that down next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. President Joe Biden made a pledge today to drastically reduce U.S. emissions of greenhouse gases in at least, uh, by at least half by 2030, which requires some uh, major changes, as you can expect. Zach Coleman is with us right now, an energy reporter for Politico Pro. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Thanks for having me.
2: So let's break down what exactly he announced, because those are some pretty like bold comments. They're big. But what does it actually mean?
0: Yeah, well, so fifty percent below two thousand five levels by twenty thirty. I mean, we're already at about twenty one percent below two thousand five levels, but you know that's sixteen years to get to this point. We're talking about getting another thirty percent in just about eight and a half years. So we're looking at pretty fundamental changes about the way we drive our cars, about how we get to work, how we get around town, even about how our industry works. So this is going to be this is going to be a lot of push and pull and uh, a lot of changes in our economy.
1: Yeah, compared to former presidents like Obama, let's just throw that out there, do we think that Biden will be able to get other countries on board to his plan?
0: He's getting off to a pretty quick start. I mean, he planned a summit just 90 some days into his presidency. He got 40 world leaders, including Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, and uh, Narendra Modi to come to his uh, your virtual summit today to make big statements about climate change, about what they're going to do about it. Uh, there were some new announcements from Japan and South Korea and even Canada it's about increasing their climate ambitions and some of their climate policies. So he's definitely putting a lot of emphasis into it. And after four years of Trump, there's going to be a lot of uh, you know, skepticism to get over about the U.S. role internationally, but he's definitely trying to uh, smooth over all those differences right now.
2: Definitely. How does he plan to get there, whether Congress approves it or not?
0: Yeah, and that's an interesting thing, because the administration says that they see multiple pathways to getting to this 50 percent target. And one of the big centerpieces for Biden is this two point two trillion dollar infrastructure plan, which has hundreds of billions of dollars for clean energy, for electric vehicles, that sort of thing. But the administration didn't say that it's necessary to pass that. To get to this mark so you could see a lot of executive actions like regulations from the epa or department of transportation that can start to move the ball along or even spending increases from congress but it's going to be a big push and we're going to have to see how it all shakes out
1: Yeah, I do wonder, though, what are conservatives like Marjorie Taylor Greene saying about this move? Because she's been playing into a ton of political theater with her hashtag MTG versus like AOC and talking about this Green New Deal. What are what is the right side saying about all of this?
0: Well, the right is saying that this is going to be an economically damaging policy, that China isn't going to go along with anything the U.S. does on climate. We're basically going to cede the economic battlefield to adversaries like China and Russia. Uh, However, you know, this is just a target that the U.S. sets for itself. It is not penalized for not meeting it. In fact, a lot of countries are not meeting the targets they set several years ago as part of the Paris Climate Accord. So there is really no drawback for the U.S. in setting this target. It is going to try to meet it, but there is no penalty for not meeting it.
2: Yeah, what can we expect over the next 24 hours? I know this summit is two days long.
0: Right, so you know the, the the great thing is that most of the summit was today. So for someone like me who's covering it all day, <laughs> tomorrow is actually pretty short. Uh, but you know, I think the big takeaway from this summit is that there are going to be so many more international events this year. And what we're building for is this climate event in Glasgow, Scotland. It's the United Nations climate talks in November so there are a number of other international forums along the way like the G7 talks the G20 there's a uh, biological diversity summit that china is hosting later this year there's the UN general assembly in september so this is kind of the the starting gun to start raising ambition, and we really saw the U.S. take a leadership role today, but there's still more to come.
1: Yeah, and like, obviously, all of these conversations and this thing is is a big-picture conversation, but what does this change actually look like in everyday neighborhoods?
0: I think it's going to be a slow change, first of all. I mean, you know, you're not going to see the government come in and mandate that you do this, this, or that. Uh, what a lot of the administration has talked about is the marketplace is already heading into these cleaner uh, you know, energy. Uh, you know, green, green energy ways. So, you know, electric vehicles. A lot of auto companies, GM, Ford, are putting a lot of money behind this. Uh, you know, you're seeing power. You know, utilities switch to clean energy just because the cost makes much more sense to you know buy solar and wind than to ever stand up a new natural gas or coal fired power plant. So it's almost like we're not going to necessarily be thinking about these choices. They're just going to be the ones that make sense. That's what the administration is saying. But, you know, it's still going to take some years and some some pushing from the federal government.
2: Well, that was Zach Coleman, energy reporter for Politico. Thanks for joining us for this. Thank you. Next up on the show, House Democrats passed D.C. statehood today. So what happens next? The Washington Post joins us to share more around this big news after this. Let's go there With Shira Shira and Ryan Channel Q For the second time in history The House passed legislation today That makes the District of Columbia The nation's 51st state So could this be the time It finally happens Because once again It has happened before Why now would it be any different? That's the question Joining us is Megan Flynn, congressional reporter on The Washington Post's Metro staff. To talk more about this, thanks for being here.
4: Thanks a lot for having me.
2: So how is today different than the previous time this was passed, or is it?
4: Well, it's certainly different in that uh, Joe Biden uh, has, has, put, has put a full presidential backing behind statehood. And, of course, Democrats have a very slim majority in the Senate uh, with Kamala Harris as the uh, tie-breaking vote, but that doesn't matter just because the the Senate filibuster requires the support of 60 senators in order to advance a bill. Uh, And at this point, Democrats don't quite have even the support of all 50 members of their caucus uh, in the Senate. So, you know, either way, statehood's on pretty rocky ground in the Senate.
1: Yeah, why are why why aren't all Democrats kind of on the same board? On the same page? It seems really kind of interesting how divided they are at this.
4: Well, there's certainly a lot more unity among Democrats than probably there has ever been before. There are uh, 45 sponsors of the statehood bill in the Senate, and that is uh, that's record-breaking. So there's never been that much support for the bill in in the Senate chamber. Um, the only holdouts are Joe Manchin, uh, Kirsten Cinema, Mark Kelly, and Angus King, an independent in Maine. Um, and they've not quite, you know, said that they won't support statehood. They've just not said that they will. Um, and they've really just kind of kept their positions a mystery largely because they are, you know, they're, they're more of moderate senators. Uh, you know, Joe Manchin is in a state that's largely Republican. Um, so they've just not, you know, kind of come out in full force behind this. Um, you know, when questioned about it, they simply say they've not, they've not made up their mind. They've not put thought into it. They've got more important things that they're looking at right now. Uh, or in the case of cinema, just simply saying she doesn't preview her votes. Um, so that's really, you know, it's not quite something that they're fighting about. It's just kind of these these uh, holdouts who've not really made their positions known.
2: Yeah, and Republicans are really pitching this or saying that it's something very radical. Is it really that radical?
4: Uh, well, certainly in the eyes of Republicans, it it will allow Democrats. You know, if statehood were to happen tomorrow, which of course it won't. Uh, to add two senators to a thinly uh, or a razor thin majority that they have in the Senate right now, which would allow them um, to kind of solidify their majority in the Senate. So their argument is that it would allow Democrats to pass what they describe as radical legislation, such as, uh, you know, going after things like the Green New Deal or packing the Supreme Court or kind of some of their favorite items to bring up. Um you know but from the from the perspective of residents who live in dc uh what's radical is that they don't have uh voting representation you know from their eyes they are the last people in america who are still living taxation without representation uh so to them you know that's been their decades-long rallying cry uh and you know certainly they just think that's a, that's a question of basic fairness of course, when you when you add in the politics side of it, it just turns into a very partisan uh, issue in in the Senate where it will, as a matter of fact, just give Democrats yeah. an advantage.
1: Well, I mean, advocates and city leaders are obviously saying that this is a racial justice and civil rights issue, especially when you look at the demographic of D.C., which is mostly African-American. So how is that playing into this conversation as well?
4: yes the mayor really made uh racial justice a core focus of her testimony before the oversight committee last month you know pointing out that this is a plural i'm sorry plurality black city that has uh, a very long history of a rich african-american culture and music here uh you know it used to be in the 1970s when there was a much much larger majority uh, its nickname was Chocolate City back then, and they bring that up in a lot of this to show that its identity as a black city in America um, really has played into sort of images of D.C., some of accused Republicans of racism um, in the way that they argued the district wouldn't be able to handle being a state or wouldn't uh, be able to govern itself, uh, pointing back to scandals from, you know, earlier eras or financial troubles that just don't exist anymore. Um, and so that has been a huge part of the debate, certainly, is is the question of race. Um, advocates often uh, remind people that the city, if it were to become a state, would have the largest portion uh, of African-American residents of any state.
2: Okay, well, thank you for your reporting on this. That was Megan Flynn, congressional reporter at The Washington Post. Have a great night. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Coming up, when celeb is stirring controversy for bringing up spanking kids. Was she wrong? We debate that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Eva Mendez. She is making some headlines, not for a movie or a project, but because she shared this post on Instagram, including a quote about parenting. Uh, by the way, if you don't know who Eva Mendes is, she's an actress. She's also the wife of Ryan Gosling. Beautiful couple. Well, she quoted this mom blogger saying, Spanking does for a child's development what hitting a spouse does for marriage. And a lot of people had some issues with that.
1: Wait, repeat that, what you say?
2: Spanking does for a child's development what hitting a spouse does for a marriage. Basically, it's abuse. Wait, who's and
1: hitting a spouse? she was
2: just making showing that we should look at spanking in the same way as the, but with as much of a stigma or oh, uh, no, and criticize it as much as we would criticize and not it w- wouldn't be acceptable for a spouse to hit some uh, or
1: a person to hit their spouse. I don't agree with that. Okay. Uh, well, all right. Share why. Um I don't agree with that. One, here's the thing. I I am a um a, a product of weapons. I used to get weapons all the time. Um, Especially if I was doing something wrong and I, I, I know that's kind of a part of old school parenting. Do I wish that I always got a whooping for certain things? No. Do I wish my mother would have given did other parent techniques? Maybe. Yes. But I also do think there ain't no wrong with a little pat on the hand, a little pat on the ass and that's gonna completely shift and show how serious things are. Yes, there are these new wave techniques for all you millennial ass parents out there. But in my opinion, there ain't no wrong with a good spanking. It really ain't. Now, there is a fine line between a spanking and abuse. And, like, beating your kid up. Yeah. The problem but is- at the end of the day, that's why you don't see... You know, no shade. That, that's why you don't see, you know, a, a certain group of people out here shooting up the place. Maybe if they had more discipline and other okay. issues, then maybe that we could, uh, I don't know if we that's could really because they weren't,
2: and, and who knows? Uh, there's I probably know. a lot of people that have had abusive families. You're just not seeing it. Uh, but a lot of times no, it's I'm because they don't know how to have coping mechanisms and share their feelings and, and deal out. with themselves. It sounds so, like
1: we're just giving white people sure here,
2: The here's the thing is like when you normalize doing that. Yeah, there is a fine line between, okay, what's a little pat versus actually, like, uh, traumatizing a child. Go get a switch.
1: You know, that's what what my grandmother and my mom used to say. Go get a switch. A switch. I've gotten beat by a switch. What's a switch? Like a branch. A branch? Like a tree? Like you go to a tree and oh you my get, God. I've gotten whooped you by a branch. Mother I've gotten, Nature to I've hurt gotten, you? I've gotten whooped by a um, belt. I've gotten whooped by an iron core. Oh Michael,
2: that's triggering for me. Got, like, I feel bad that that's what happened.
1: Yeah, but also, I mean, for sure, when you look back at it, you're like, maybe it's a little intent. But to be honest, I do genuinely feel like that type of parenting has kind of turned me into the amazing person you see today. So you have no problems at all. Everything's perfect. No, here's the thing. I know for me, I probably am not going to whoop my kids in the same way that I was whooped back at home. Now, if if my kids out here, you know, trying it and not respecting authority or not are really out here showing out, oh, girl, yes, go get my favorite belt that's three rows down in the closet because that's your belt that's going to be assigned to your behind. The, The thing is, is, is that really the best
2: way, like, that's going to teach that person a lesson? In the end, they're just going to be scared and learn, okay, I'm not going to do this in no, front of you, or I'll just I'll
1: just find not ways to hide it you... instead of
2: actually dealing with it so, properly so in a healthy happens.
1: way. Here's what happens, in my opinion. I think what my mom used to do, which worked wonderfully for me, I feel like, she used to have a conversation with me, right? We would talk about the things that are, well, one, I would probably get first, but then afterwards... I, we would have a conversation about why I, that just happened. What was some of the reasoning behind it? So she was it?
2: a communicative spanker.
1: Yes. <laughs> you have to, one, you have to let a, you know a child know, like, these are, this is kind of the result. And I think, really, to be honest, everything comes with consequences. So it really teaches you, if you are going to be out here doing, just acting crazy, you have to deal with that consequence. Did
2: you feel like you had um, a, a sense of trust, and a trusting relationship with your mom?
1: Yeah, for the most like, part, there's other things that I have issues with yeah, my but mom about. I, I do think but that I don't think that has to do with no, anything. No, but because
2: when you feel like y- that someone y- you can trust in- someone in terms of creating a safe environment for you to deal with things, whether you're uh, doing bad behavior or good behavior, I think that makes a difference. And you don't build trust by possibly, um, you know, d- you know, inflicting abusive behavior on someone. I don't
1: necessarily deem that abusive.
2: Well, that's also, that. Well, that's what a lot of people are saying. I don't is think that that's abusive? abusive, no. And I, I do think we've normalized think it li- in the past, but it can be looked at as a form of abuse. I think that now we're opening up to that. If you're, if you're not
1: having, that. if you're just beating your child and just leaving them to the wayside, then there's an issue. But if you're not having a conversation about their actions and detailing why this is not okay. Isn't that
2: validating that? No, then? how is that validating Because you're saying, okay, let's talk about Now that we're talking about it, it's okay.
1: No, we're talking about it in the sense of this is why you just got that spanking. This is why I had to react in this way.
2: Well, listen, we'd love to hear from you. At LGT Show is where you can find us on social media. Slide into our DMs. Is spanking good, bad? Is it a form of abuse? I mean, Let it us depends know. on who you ask. Let us know. It depends on who you ask. Uh, that's why we want to hear from all the people. Well, coming up on the show, what's Turning this hour, the report that reveals a rise in discrimination against LGBTQ plus couples. Those details next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
1: Welcome back.
2: Wow. We uh, got into a continued conversation around spanking, by the way, during the break because we had that conversation right before this. So if you missed it, (laughs) you want to continue the debate on spanking, slide into our DMs. Is it right or wrong? Let us know. Uh, But coming up this hour, can you get the vaccine if you have COVID-19? What experts want you to know in 15 minutes? Plus, what celebrity might have toked up with Obama? And I, yes, I am using the word toke.
1: No, I don't even know what that word means. It means smoked
2: up. Then why don't you just say smoke? I just like the word toke I in this case. Word. Uh word. Ryan has got that in the Tea Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Environmental activist Greta Thunberg dragged lawmakers today for their lack of action around climate change. How long do you
4: honestly believe that people in power like you will get away with it? How long do you think you can continue to ignore the climate crisis, the global aspect of equity and historic emissions without being held accountable?
2: You get away with it now, but sooner or later, people are going to realize... What do you have been doing all this time? So, Miss Thunberg, who's still very young and doing what she's doing, she does the pregnant pause. She owns those pregnant
1: pauses. Does she have friends? <laughs> yes, she Actually, does. Actually, no. That's a genuine question because she's I and very I love serious. that she's very dedicated to this cause. But me sitting here listening to her and and hearing the the pregnant pauses, like you mentioned, um, I just want her to also have a normal childhood. Like, I want her to be able to have friends. Like, is she... I mean, of course, maybe because her climate outside isn't as good, she's not going outside to play. But I would love for her to have friends.
2: Uh, When you see her at these... uh you know, uh, protests and all that. She actually goes around with her little clique. She has a little clique of, like, teenage environmental activists, and they're all, like, hanging out together, friends. Like, that's her so friend. So basically
1: homeschool kids, just hanging oh, out with like, other yeah, homeschool kids.
2: It looks like she's having fun. She's doing stuff that feels a purpose. Maybe she'll have, like, no, I'm excited a for, 20-something I'm not, crisis where she realizes her childhood disappeared.
1: I'm not knocking who she is. I was just the first thing as a child her age. Is, does she have friends? Is she balancing that work life and that, Happy know, and the out. personal you know, life? You the
2: question I have is, like, do, do really important folks like her um, or even, like, a Malala who, literally, well, she literally lost her childhood, but uh, do they end up having, like, a rebellion moment like child actors?
1: Yeah, do you, I was about to say, Lindsay Lohan?
2: Yeah, like that. Lindsay they, Lohan is doing like, the same exact or thirties, great work like,
1: as Greta Thunberg. <laughs> Have you seen Parent Trap? Equally, it's the same great work. It changed nations.
2: Brought people together. It did.
1: Including her parents in the Parent Trap.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, finally, many LGBTQ plus... People are still facing discrimination from some business owners, according to a report from NBC News. Same-sex couples are still being turned away by businesses on the grounds that it would violate religious beliefs of the business owner or service provider. And defenders of these discriminatory practices claim protection from the Constitution. Hmm. Uh, Lambda Legal Legal, has been speaking out about this. Jen Pizer, who we've had on the show saying we've seen a significant rise and very troubling rise in these cases. It's not an accident. She's blaming conservative religious legal groups like Alliance Defending Freedom for filing lawsuits in defense of these this bigoted and discriminatory clients. So something to look out for and why the Equality Act needs to be passed. That was what's trending this hour, what's happening in entertainment news, Ryan.
1: Okay, so did Snoop Dogg just imply that he smoked weed with President Obama? Oh, it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. I mean, seriously, who else but Snoop Dogg could get high with the commander-in-chief of the United States of America? Uh, Snoop has a new album called um, From the Streets to the Suites, and one track features a reference to smoking marijuana in the presence of former President Barack Obama. Obama, The song called Gang Signs, which, intense, features uh, Snoop spitting the lyrics saying, still sipping gin and juice while I'm smoking marijuana. I bet you never blew with Obama. Now, mm. n- we don't know for sure if this has happened. This could, you know, just be a joke or him taking artistic license. Um, I'm just going for the whole shock value of it all. Um, but smoking weed with Obama or even smoking weed around Obama, I just would never. That's actually really intense.
2: That Obama did that? I'm not surprised. And what
1: Snoop, if he's going to smoke with anyone... I mean, I'm uh, I'm a little surprised. I'm not surprised by Snoop, but I'm surprised that Obama would have taken... I mean, he smoked uh, in the past... But I'm surprised that in his whatever age he's in now, he would have smoked. But of course, who wouldn't want to smoke with Snoop Dogg?
2: That's the thing. So, Snoop, we had him on Witch Training, and I've been around in his circles. He literally is smoking at every moment. So, if you're going to meet him, he'll be smoking around you.
1: Yeah, but have some respect. It's President Obama. He does his thing, Snoop. It's kind of like when Jimmy Kimmel, and we covered it here on the Tea Report, when Jimmy Kimmel kept asking Michelle Obama about their sex life. And I'm just like, have some respect. Don't ask folks like that about their sex life. Or don't tell me President Obama's over here smoking Rafer. There's a line. I Uh, don't know. Yeah, it is.
2: I've smoked Snoop before.
1: You smoked Uh with Snoop Dogg before? Yep. And let me tell you, that stuff is strong. Wow. Like,
2: I had a whack. It was like, yeah. Did you
1: recover? Well, you're here now. (laughs) Barely. Do you notice anything strange about my brain and mental functions? (laughs) Well, that's your T-Report. I got more coming up next hour, so stick around. Coming up, we
2: explain whether you can get vaccinated if you have COVID-19 right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. While all Americans are eligible for COVID vaccines, experts are saying if you develop COVID-19 or even if you are exposed, you should probably delay your appointment. Bill Schaffner is with us right now, Professor of Infectious Diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical. Thanks for joining us for this.
3: Hi, Sherry. Good to be with you.
2: Hi. So what is the story with this? Why are experts saying this? It's kind of worrisome.
3: Well, if you have COVID currently, you certainly don't want to be vaccinated. First of all, you don't want to go anywhere where you could spread COVID to other people in the clinic. So that's really the main thing. Second, if you've got COVID, you've got symptoms. Many people do. And you don't want to complicate that with getting the vaccine and confusing it with possible side effects from the vaccine. And then wait a little bit after you've recovered from COVID to get your vaccine because you should be vaccinated even though you've had COVID. Well, why is that? Well, the reason is this is a big surprise to most people. The vaccine actually gives you greater antibody levels, more protection than does the illness itself. So you get a greater cushion of protection from the vaccine than you do by getting infected with the virus itself.
1: Yeah, I just keep thinking about like people who don't get symptoms and they're like asymptomatic. If that's the right word, right? Anyway, um, I think about folks like that, and then they still go and get the vaccine. So it kind of makes me think: how often should we be getting tested? Like, even if you get the vaccine, should I still be getting tested for COVID just to make sure I don't have it?
3: Well, if you've been uh, if you've been vaccinated, obviously these vaccines, at their best, are ninety five percent effective, not a hundred percent. So if you've been exposed, even after you've been vaccinated, and Certainly, if you start developing symptoms, yes, that's a good reason to get tested. But you don't have to get tested routinely.
2: Okay. Has this happened to many people? Has this popped up enough where it's now becoming a concern?
3: Well, certainly, these various issues certainly have been discussed. And if you're really asking me, can you uh, get illness after vaccination, the short answer is yes. Yes because after all, the vaccine is 95 percent protective. And the other reason is that we are now vaccinating and have been from the beginning older people, people who are frail, have complicating infections and other illnesses so that they don't respond quite as well to the vaccine. So we have had cases of illness after vaccination, but they're pretty few and they're understandably uh, milder uh, so you're not as apt to require hospitalization so you get partial protection uh, even if you don't get full protection
1: so wait, how uh, long do you have to wait again to like if you think you have symptoms and then afterwards like how long do you have to wait before you actually go get the vaccine I know you said it earlier but I just want to clarify Well,
3: I, I personally there, there's no explicit duration we used to actually say 90 days but the CDC has said we don't have to wait that long. I would wait a couple of weeks after I've recovered to then go ahead and get vaccinated. Hmm.
2: Okay. Well, are you feeling right now uh, optimistic with where we're at?
3: Actually, I'm feeling cautious and a bit concerned. Oh. And why is that? Yeah. Well, because We've pretty much vaccinated most of the eager beavers, the people who were eager to get vaccinated. And now we're running into a lot of vaccine hesitancy, skepticism, and frankly, downright refusal. So we now have a supply of vaccine that exceeds the demand. There's vaccine in refrigerators all over the country in health departments, waiting for people to come in and get it. And we're going to have to work harder there's that old image of first harvesting the low-hanging fruit. You know, we've done that. Now we have to work our way up the tree, so to speak. And for each increment of addition, we're going to have to work harder and harder to convince people to come in.
2: Definitely. Well, this is all very good to know. Thank you for joining us again. We appreciate it.
3: Sure. My pleasure. Anytime.
2: That was Bill Schaffner, Professor of Infectious Diseases at Vanderbilt University Medical. Coming up on the show, what does sustainability or buying biodegradable products actually mean? We're here to break it down and help you so you can make your lives cleaner, one step at a time. It's
1: Earth Day. Exactly. It's Earth Day.
2: Getting Gotta get down, down on Earth Day.
1: Day. <laughs> okay, so because it's Earth Day, um, we, we really wanted to kind of navigate and find... You know, and talk about accessible ways of everyone making their homes, their kitchens, more like environmentally friendly. I don't really know what that means. Shira does more so than I do. I mean, I'm always still learning because a lot
2: of people think climate change, all this environmental stuff, it seems like too big to tackle, right? Right.
1: I but mean, there are still
2: actions you can take daily that can make a difference. And here to break that down on how to go green, as you mentioned, in the kitchen is Daniela Galarza, who's a staff writer for the food section at the Washington Post also writes the eat voraciously newsletter love that welcome to the show welcome back thanks so much for having me I love it so what does it mean to have a clean kitchen not just clean like it smells good but you know environmentally <laughs> clean I guess you know
4: no that's a great question and it can mean a lot of different things and like you said it can be really overwhelming but I think you have to start with... What's important to you? And that might be climate related, that might be the environment, that might be the neighborhood you live in, um, how you feel, your health, your body. Um, And so, I mean, you can, I'd say you can start with how you do your food shopping and what you buy. Um, I always encourage people wherever they live to try to find a local farm or farmer's market um, or a CSA. Localharvest.org is a good resource for this. It breaks down um, where you can get locally grown uh, food, fruits and vegetables, and um, even meats, eggs, cheeses, things like that in your area. Um, And picking them up from the farmer's market or getting them brought to you minimizes the packaging that that you'll see at the grocery store mostly um it allows you to al- already eliminate a lot of that plastic and paper food waste that you see there
1: yeah and i feel like i'm are we're starting to see it even like in commercials and kind of coming into these like these companies are starting to really think about this like there's a company called imperfect foods that I recently just saw where you can literally it's a subscription service and you can literally uh, get those like bags of food or certain foods that you know you wouldn't want to get because there's crumbs in them or something like a uh, snack foods are are just the weird fruit shapes and they may be bruised a little bit you can get those into your house. That's a thing, right? Imperfect foods, yeah. I think. Oh, meaning because they would is, typically throw that away. Yeah, they yeah would the, the food that you would be throwing away, you can get it shipped to your Excuse houses. Respect. I mean, like I said, yeah. I don't know nothing about this crap. I mean, it's not crap, but you know, I don't know <laughs> nothing about it.
4: No, it's it's and it's important, but it's it's. I would say, local is local is key, and I think imperfect foods ha- and and similar services have the right idea there. Because there's nothing wrong with, like, a slightly bruised apple, especially if you want to make something like an apple pie out of it. Um, But I would encourage people to beware of anything greenwashed. And that's anything from, you know, chemical companies that are selling housewares that are in this green packaging that say they're all natural, say they're biodegradable. Um, but a lot of these certifications don't really mean anything, or a lot of these marketing terms don't mean anything, and so really got to watch out for for things like that, just to make sure you know where you're getting things from, you know what you're getting, and you know what you're doing with it.
2: Yeah, a lot of people don't even know what greenwashed means, but it's like you're using it as a buzz term when you're not really like talking the talk and walking the walk. It's yeah, not exactly.
4: Yeah. So, so act- yeah, like actually, I th- I think that imperfect foods and similar services have come under attack a little bit so- because. They've been taking food that used to be funneled into um, food banks, and uh, wow. a lot of those a, a lot of these things that's are are, that's... are now being marketed and sold as though they're helping the environment when they might not actually be helping the local community. Um, so it's a little it can be really tricky. Um, I would say definitely start local, start with who you know, who you can meet in your neighborhood and your community. Um, and, and definitely go from there. There are so many resources online this week on the post, we published a number of stories, um, just sort of, you know, trying to raise awareness of things like greenwashing and how to compost, even if you live in a tiny apartment, um, how to sort of more eliminate food waste, how to shop smarter, how to stop using plastic wrap and foil and single use bags and things like that.
2: Yeah. What do you use in- instead of plastic wrap foil Ziploc bags? And I, by the way, I'm one of those people that like, I work hard at this, but then I live with someone who like has plastic bags and foil everywhere. And then I find myself defaulting to it. If I run out of the other stuff or it's dirty.
4: Which no, I fully understand. And I mean, like you, if I, if it's around, I'm more likely to use it. Um, for, for anything, I mean, I think it depends on what you're using it for, right? So, like, I used to, whenever I had leftovers, I would make sure to put them in that container and cover it with soil and make sure it's airtight. You know, a lot of times if you're making a super stew and you have leftovers, I, I say it's okay to be lazy. You can just leave the leftovers in that pot and put it in your refrigerator. There's nothing wrong with it, you know? Um I that's not that's not the most popular idea, but I I do I do do that. That saves me the water for washing that pot right there, and it saves me containers and, and plastic wrap.
1: So can um, I be honest about this conversation that we haven't hit on yet? Uh oh. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah. There's a lot of cool resources and all these things, but a a mom of three who is like. You know, reeling in from a pandemic of losing her job and trying to figure out how she's going to put food on the table it's not thinking about whether or not she should use this plastic bag or not. She's going to use it because guess what? It's right there, and it's easy, and it's accessible. So how are right. we making this this new world of trying to be as clean and environmentally friendly as possible accessible to communities that really do need it? I mean, there's a huge food insecurity situation going on, and it, it does feel like we're not making the information or the education around all of these things accessible for those communities that really need it.
4: That's a great point, and I fully agree with you. I mean, that's why my first response was not go buy some silicone wraps or go buy um, beeswax paper, which is which is some of the things you can buy to use instead of foil, plastic wrap, wax paper, single single use bags. There's a lot of things on the market now today that you can buy to use instead of those things, and if they're um, you know, accessible to you, if they are things that you can afford to buy, you can afford to, you know, throw in your dishwasher, absolutely. Those are going to help you, you know, stay away from the single single use products. But if not, I think there are ways around that too. And I think, you know, again, just, just um, storing your leftovers on the plate with another plate on top of it in the refrigerator is just as easy and also is going to save you from the single use stuff.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for educating us today on Earth Day. We appreciate it. Sure. I
4: just wanted to say, um, you know, really glad to be on the show. Oh, and wow. if anybody's interested in signing up for the free newsletter yeah. um, that I write, it's called Eat Voraciously. And you can go to wapo.st.ev. That's W A P O. st
2: slash E V amazing. Well, we always appreciate The Washington Post and all of you uh, writers for being on our show always.
1: Yeah, and thanks for coming on and educating us about brands like Imperfect Foods. Don't shop there, guys.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Thanks so much for having me. Thank I you. really appreciate it. Take now, care. That was Diana Galarza, staff writer for the food section at The Washington Post. Coming up on the show, you know, we talked about actress Eva Mendez, who brought up the debate of whether you should spank your kids. Well, we've gotten some social media responses, and you can still see into our dms at lgt show is it wrong to spank your kids should we stop doing it let us know and we'll be bringing you all those responses next let's go there with shira and ryan channel q okay we are back and the story that we covered around actress eva mendez bringing up uh, why spanking is like hitting your spouse has brought up a big conversation online and on our show it brought up you know ryan's uh history of that well he didn't hit someone but like he he was spanked when he was younger
1: yeah um and then we we started debating it and we asked you what you think were you not spanked when you were younger or something you act like this is such a far thing from you i remember i think i was given a little pat but then i remember once we explains why she was the way she is huh (laughs)
2: There's other reasons, okay? Mm. It's complicated. Mm. Uh, I was, once my mom did try to put soap in my mouth.
1: Oh, you deserve probably. What did you say? I was, I
2: don't remember. I was just, I was teasing
1: her. I was like, oh, try to do it. I'm going to say this. we going to do it. See, now. that's what I'm talking about. If you had a no. black mom, she would have. God, and so right she did, it, and then I was like, "You're horrible! Look at
2: you! What you're doing, your child!" I was like, I, "Yeah, I, it was, it was bad. I wasn't. It wasn't good." Uh, but which is why speaking no, no, are important. no, I think it's more if we actually had conversations about how I could cope and feel my feelings that would have helped. Uh, but anyway, that's for another time. So we did ask you on social media what you think about spanking. Is it right, wrong, should parents not do it? At LGT shows where you can slide into our DMs. And we have a a listener who DM'd us. We appreciate you.
1: Yes, oh my God, do, we do have a listener that DM does. His name is Giovanni. Hey, yeah. I'm not going to give out his whole government because that's none of y'all business. But um, he is listening, and I just want to say thank you so much because he gave us a beautiful compliment. Mm-hmm. Um, now, here's what he said. He said, um, I, y'all are both right and wrong, in my opinion, obviously, because this is personal belief. Like Ryan, I grew up with some ass whoopings and belt marks from both mom and dad, and now I definitely ended up with some mental health issues that I still... Still deal with but honestly who isn't dealing with some if you say you aren't cough cough liar however I do think that it kept me from acting certain ways again because when you get that whip you think twice about doing something bad um he goes on to continue to say so I think overall if you can do it do it, but your kids have to know that this isn't the normal, this is an okay behavior that should continue throughout life, but should be learned from. Most importantly, the kids should know their parents love them, but not like during the whooping like a Chappelle show skit. Your kids should feel completely loved by you if you decide to spank them. Think like a puppy. Sometimes they have to know what uh, is okay and isn't, but the second that puppy doesn't think their owner loves them, they start to withdraw, Mm -hmm. and that to me is the thin line that parents
2: and, and I think that that probably definitely impacts your relationships where if you feel like you did, if you do anything wrong or instead of having a real conversation about it and and being OK with that confrontation, you look at confrontation as possibly something negative. If that was your background with
1: that, which is why I said in my original thought, which basically what Giovanni said is he agreed with Ryan. No, he uh, had no, to that I, think, I was, think you both are wrong just for the sake of it, <laughs> but genuinely he agreed with me because he just, he's no, he repeating said that, what I'm saying. That
2: happened at the same time. It caused me men, a lot of mental health issues. Yeah, but that's what
1: therapy's for. And Giovanni, oh, yeah, so, we're sisters. A lot but of I, money. But I also yeah. think, um, I also think that that is so right. You, as a parent, you have to make sure you are explaining the actions and explaining what's going on and the reasoning behind it. I just that's think. That's the difference here. It
2: can be very... It could be a bit manipulative when you're saying, well, this is okay because now we're having a conversation about it. You could see how that, like, going into a- being no, an adult, you're not saying you that could do something okay. that's, no. you know, that no. maybe isn't, okay, uh, feels good to someone, but you, you rationalize it because, like, now we're having a conversation about I it.
1: I think you're manipulating a- According that what I to said. the
2: American Psychological Association, we'll wrap with this. They said many studies have shown that physical punishment, spanking, hitting, Another means of causing pain can lead to increased aggression, antisocial behavior, physical injury, and mental health problems for children. So, uh, and a lot of people say it just, it doesn't work. Not to say, I think you are a a good, well-adjusted person overall. Oh, I know
1: I am. You don't got to tell me. (laughs) The only person I'm looking at is the person who didn't get spanked in the room. Vanessa didn't get spanked. But we know Vanessa's issues. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank
2: you for sliding into our DMs at LGT Show. You can expect some questions over the next uh, few shows. We're going to be playing around with asking you questions and getting your responses because we have some good ones coming up here on Let's Go There. But next up on the show today, the Senate passed the hate crime bill. What that will actually do next on What's Trending This Hour. Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up this hour, the new study on LGBTQ youth that is raising concerns. That's in 30 minutes. Plus, Ellen's remarks on Jimmy Kimmel that's causing some controversy. Stick around for the T-Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The U.S. Senate passed legislation today aimed at addressing the recent spike in hate crimes against Asian Americans across the U.S. amid this pandemic. The COVID-19 Hate Crimes Act would, among other initiatives, make the Justice Department review pandemic-related hate crimes faster and expand data collection resources for tracking those crimes. And the legislation will next head to the House for consideration. So that's very good. All right. Yep. That was what's trending this hour. A little quickie. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
1: What? Oh, it's for me. Okay, good. I didn't know I had that many like weed stories today, but you know, we're just going to go with it and this one is involving Ellen DeGeneres. Because we didn't have our regular 420 show. I know, but yeah, so we're going to go with this. It's time for the T report those pop culture stories trending right now. Ellen DeGeneres is uh, catching heat online for admitting that she drove her wife um to the hospital in March after drinking three weed drinks and taking over the counter sleep aid. Um, DeGeneres basically explained (laughs) that she found a Porsche on the bathroom floor of their home visibly in pain. But only after the daytime talk show, a host had consumed three canned drinks, which are these THC cannabis drinks, um, and the sleep aid melatonin. She then drove Porsche to the hospital for an emergency appointment. her what what is a, a pen, Yeah, her appendix needs to come yeah. out. You know, the fancy Gray's Anatomy a pendectomy. word. Appendectomy. Appendectomy. That's the word. Here she is on Jimmy Kimmel talking about the moment and realizing maybe she shouldn't have been saying those.
2: So I, I, I drank one and I didn't feel anything. And I drank, so I drank three. And then I took two like melatonin sleep pills and I'm laying in bed and I realize she's not in bed. And I hear I, I said, "Are you okay?" And she's like, "Uh." And I said, "Baby, are you okay?" And and I she's moaning. I get out of a, a bed and she's on the ground on all fours. And I said, "You're not okay." She goes, "Uh, uh-uh, I'm okay." I said, "No, unless you're playing Twister by yourself, you're not okay." So. Um, I rushed her to the emergency room, and uh, they—her entire— You drove her yourself? I did. I mean, I kicked in, like, my adrenaline was like, because I just had to rush her there. So, it's probably not safe. I shouldn't be saying any of this. Right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, at least you're headed to the emergency room.
2: Well, you see, I appreciate she just—that's real. She was being authentic, and she said it's probably not safe. But it's true. You have your loved one about to die on the floor— You will go from drunk or high to sober very quickly.
1: But here's the thing. Some social media users basically hated that she admitted to this because uh, someone said as an example of her privilege with one writing, she could have killed someone. I'm so sick of her entitled ass. I mean that's intense, right? Well,
2: that's the thing is, like, should she have called an Uber? Like, what, I mean, like
1: I'm surprised something that someone like, that? like an Ellen DeGeneres doesn't have a driver.
2: But when you have to go that immediately, like, call, you don't have someone just on no, it's call. True. It's like, true outside your house. But at
1: that point, yeah, I see. That's that her that drug- emergency. But how quickly? Yeah, so I'm like, well, she could have just gotten the no, uh, an ambulance. An appen- no, if
2: you have an appendix thing, I mean, that even would take probably 10, 15 minutes.
1: And then why don't airlift a, a helicopter? <laughs> Ellen got all this damn money. It would Take My time. thing is, I understand why people are upset with her driving and in, in basically under the influence, risking everyone in her nice little She was high. Little, uh, Come on. She wasn't drunk. She was high. That, what do you mean? That's driving under the influence. She made it work. I mean, she said she was That is high. literally driving underneath the influence. That's exactly what they talk about. All
2: right, Ryan. If I That's was on the business, floor about to die, would you go in your, and your if, car? And if you felt we were in the middle of nowhere, maybe they're in the like, calabasas or whatever. Yeah.
1: And if I was like high or something, yeah, you would probably drive me. No, I wouldn't. We live on, I'm not gonna admit to anything while we live on radio. Yeah, I'm not gonna admit to no crime while we live on radio. Yes, it's a crime to drive under the influence. Who gave you your license? California. (laughs) Oh my God. All right, that's your T report. I got more coming up next hour.
2: Well, next up on the show, we're gonna be talking about how to use leftover food to fight food insecurity. We're helping you out here on Earth Day. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. There's a nationwide problem of excess food waste and a movement to reduce and reallocate all of that is on your way, but it's complicated. Ava Richardson joins us, a doctorate student in the Environmental Health and Engineering Department at Johns Hopkins University of Public Health. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So how big is the current food insecurity problem?
5: The current food insecurity problem is quite a whopping issue. And one of the real um, major complexities of it is while we have people that are food insecure, we're we're also um, wasting around 40 percent of the food that's produced in the country. And so that that's what makes this issue so surprising, so stark and um, makes uh, some of the solutions for it so dire and so necessary because the the implications are for both um, solving some of the issues when it comes to food insecurity but also addressing the climate related or environmental related issues when it comes to wasted food.
1: When you're saying uh, food waste are you talking about like from like restaurants or just us you know me throwing out food that I Unfortunately, let go bad because oh, yeah, I decided to postmates. That. You know, yeah, myself well, that's, that's a great
5: distinction to make. So, when we think of uh, wasted food or food waste, um, particularly as it relates to food insecurity issues, we really are thinking about the food that goes bad in grocery stores or the food, the surplus that happens um, in restaurants. And sometimes some of these issues are kind of like a misinterpretation of some of the. Labels on foods in terms of which labels relate to safety, which labels relate to quality, and whether or not it's safe to consume those foods after those dates. And so, generally, um, many grocery stores will throw out their surplus goods, and sometimes these aren't related to quality issues at all. It could just be related to the way that a uh, produce looks, or it could be related again uh-huh. to just a general surplus. So, in that case, We really do want to, as much as possible, divert the um, food that would otherwise go to a landfill um, or go into the local waste stream. We want to get that food out to communities. And that can be done through several means, through local food pantries, working with local food banks. um, And then also there's the restaurant waste that happens. And some of those things can be, again, also diverted through some really creative ways, like community fridges where people are kind of uh, doing if you will, self-serve food pantries. But um, when it comes to the restaurants, there's also a huge opportunity for us to prevent that waste. So um, some of those things can be done in the back of the house in terms of uh, food preparation, tracking it closer, um, and just um, really being conscious about, like, how that inventory is being managed. So yeah. in terms of the waste that happens in your home, we definitely want to curb that. Um, but that's not as, as much, um, or that's not as... I won't say it's not as relevant, but when we talk about food insecurity, we're really talking about some of the institutional level and business level waste that happens. The things that happen in your home, we want to get that down because that's a huge portion of post-consumer waste. But we really, um, when it comes to like addressing issues of food access and people who are food insecure, feeding people with that. And and you've (laughs) mentioned
2: some really obvious solutions. So why is it so complicated? Why haven't we figured this out?
5: That's a great question. Um, I guess it, part of it is just the, the the complications when it comes to logistics and the management. Um, and there's also a stigma, in kind of a perception, when it comes to food. Um, people are very hesitant to um, take surplus foods uh, and donate them to different places because of the liability concerns. We're a very litigious society, and uh, when it comes to whether or not someone could be sued over. Yeah. Um, Having some type of foodborne illness that comes up, um, even though there are protections in the Good Samaritan Act that say that when an organization donates to a nonprofit, they are protected from any liability concerns in that particular situation. Um, and there's also, I think, this perception that it's it's really good to compost that food, and we we do want to uh, really enhance composting infrastructure. That's incredibly important in that's a great way to divert food from our waste stream and enhance our soils but um to really get the best use out of that food we want to make sure it's fed to people um and then if if and when possible fed to animals so i think there's there's just a misunderstanding of kind of uh, mm-hmm. some of the, the really salient solutions that we have afforded to us and a lack of incentive to implement some
2: agreed of we don't see the the dangers right here right now ava richardson thank you for being here and for the work you're doing
1: it's great thank you
2: yeah i got no
1: i've <laughs> never met a bad ava and you're great
2: <laughs> i have to agree with that thank ava you. richardson thank you is yeah thank you as a doctorate student at johns hopkins university of public health such important stuff to figure out and know about coming up the study that includes some troubling findings about gay youth we give you those details next let's go there with shira, shira and ryan channel q now despite advances in the fight for lgbtq plus equality a new report finds that young gay people today are even more likely to have attempted suicide than previous generations joining us right now is Elon Meyer, a Williams Distinguished Senior Scholar Scholar of Public Policy at UCLA. Thank you so much for being here.
6: Thank you for having me. Nice to be here.
2: Uh, Now, tell us more about this study, by the way, and what was discovered.
6: (sighs) Okay. Well, this study, we were looking um, at uh, how historical changes impacted the lives of LGBTQ people. So... uh, We looked at the past, you know, 50, 60 years since Stonewall and so much has changed and so many laws and so many improvements in uh, uh, public attitudes. And we wanted to know, well, how did it change the lives of uh, LGBTQ people, uh, our younger people who are coming out, um, you know, since the 2000s, having a really different experience about homophobia and self-acceptance and shame, or not. And, of course, we were expecting to see a lot of changes. We studied three different generations or cohorts, we call them. And, um, well, we found that young people are not doing a lot better than the older people did. So um, that kind of opens the whole more questions like, why? Because there definitely has been changes, improvements, uh, but we haven't seen that. And one of the more striking results that I think you just mentioned was suicide attempts, which uh, we've seen actually an increase in the young people, which shouldn't
1: happen. Yeah, which it, it's really shocking to me but, uh, because I feel like just a couple months ago, back in February, we were just talking about the new Gallup poll that said Americans are identifying as LGBTQ plus more than ever. Um, and it felt like, oh, this is a, a really big deal that people are identifying as queer of some sorts and they're, they're finding themselves and becoming more comfortable. So what's what's the big change here, especially when it comes to young people? What's impacting them so much that they are thinking about suicide? attempts are completing suicide
6: right so we we obviously were thinking the same and um, we uh, looked at some of those things that are different or similar and the same and one of the thing that was most distinguishing between the younger and older was actually what you just mentioned coming up uh, young people are coming out at much younger ages and as you said more young people are coming out Uh, now than ever before, identifying themselves as LGBT. And um, so that was kind of the, I guess, positive change that people are feeling more secure, that they know more about what it is to be LGBT, and they're out, you know, in a young age, like at 16, out to family and obviously to friends, what we didn't see that changed is the kind of stressors that they experience and i've I've referred to this as minority stress relating to the fact that you're a sexual minority there are certain stressors that have to do with homophobia and for gender minorities having to do with transphobia and both really Uh, and what we see is that young people are experiencing a lot of the same stressors. So we looked at anything from violent attacks, you know, anti gay violence. We looked at, uh, conversion therapy experiences. We looked at what we call everyday discrimination, which is more like microaggressions. And in all of this, we see that we don't see a drop off. We don't see, you know, all of a sudden young people, people who came out, you know, in the past ten, fifteen 15 years, 20 years, are, wow, their life is completely different. We don't see that. So, And that, to me, explains the relationship with mental health and yeah. suicide.
2: I, I guess as we wrap, we have 30 more seconds. What do we do about this now with this information?
6: Well, I think one of the positive things to, for me personally looking at the data was that young people was connected to their identity. They were feeling strongly uh, pride in this identity and they were connected to LGBT communities. They said that they are connected to the LGBT community and that means that we have an opportunity in the LGBT community to impact their lives, to offer them support, to offer them uh, role models, to offer them the kinds of help that, honestly, LGBT people always needed. But now they are available through Internet, through various sources, and people are connecting with that. Some hopeful and the nice thing related to connection with the community Mm -hmm. is political activism, and we see LGBT people very active. So uh, there's some reason to be hopeful and optimistic. Uh, but also a lot of reasons for concern.
2: Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today to share all of that. That was Elon Meyer, Williams Distinguished Senior Scholar Scholar of Public Policy at UCLA. Have a great rest of your day.
6: Thank you. You too.
2: Coming up on the show, has social media made high school reunions a thing of the past? We're going to debate whether Ryan should go to his high school reunion (laughs) right after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So, High school reunions, are they a thing of the past because of social media? I mean, we now follow, or maybe we don't, maybe we avoid who we went to high school with. This seems like a high school emo song. Yeah, I'm just walking to school right now, going to high school. Anyway.
1: I don't even know what the song is to be, honest.
2: So, yeah, now that you're friends with everyone, Facebook, Instagram, you see them, basically. It's almost like you're following their lives. Like, is there a point of a reunion?
1: Um, is there a point of reunion? I hate this K-Rock-ass song. I'm changing it. Here we go. This is more (laughs) Channel Q. Okay, so... I am conflicted about going to my high school reunion. They are planning it. I graduated when I was 16, so I graduated in 2010. And so I didn't get to be a part of that class because I really didn't know anyone in that class. But my original class, 2011, um, they invited me, and they're planning it. I got invited to a secret Facebook like oh. group where they're planning all the, the details, and people are being like, you got to come, you got to come. But for me... I'm just not sure if I want to go back in time in that way. Like, it's nice because you can see on Facebook, like, what people are doing. Sometimes I like to log in every, like, six months and be a little nosy. See, see the latest person who's had a child at my age and being like, I can't imagine. But, like, it, it just feels like if I go, then maybe I'll have a really good time and I'll see some people that I haven't seen in years. And we can all, you know, talk about it. But then also if I, you know, if I don't go... I don't know. I just I feel like I may have missed out on something. So you think you have the answer? You have the answer? No, because I feel like to be quite honest, I'm gonna be really real here. Okay. The only reason why I want to go is really to be nosy. You know to see who's doing gossip. You're a mean girl. To see who's being good, who who looks different, who's gained, (laughs) you know, money. Do you want to show (laughs) off? Do you want? Ryan, do you want to show off a little bit? Um, no. I think you everyone, know, I already, yeah, everyone already gets the I'm kind of level like... of fabulousness that I've turned into. So it's Am kind I of like, MTV, like I don't have to. But no, seriously, would you go to yours? So well, Your 20th? Because you're past your ten. Oh, damn. So my 10th, I was in a different place
2: 10 years ago. Uh-huh. As you would be. And I felt like I didn't care as much. I was in the you mode where it... It was more like I'm doing my thing. I don't need to see these people. Right. And I think as you get older, and tell me if I'm wrong, d- slide into our DMs at LGT Show. Not to be we don't want to get ageist, but
1: girl, you are for sure an ageist. No,
2: I'm more about like ex- experiences life uh journey. But I found find now I would totally there's something that happens like a nostalgia where you you really appreciate what you've been through yeah. and the people that were part of that. There's something special like they knew you went like You want to throw back, back to
1: the big 80s hair. <laughs> Hairspray.
2: I was uh it was a late nineties high
1: school. Oh okay, girl. so actually more grungy like, you know, oh, yeah. evanescence. Oh yeah, I wore
2: um <laughs> you know, mid rift t shirts like the mesh my,
1: gloves. My you- my belly. Oh no, I
2: didn't do oh, that. Okay. I just wore t shirts and jeans, but like they definitely showed my belly. Yeah. You know? And, I don't know, and I'm you still can see, like, it. kind of like people like don't wear your like jeans so you can see your thong.
1: Well, what, I'm just not sure. It is in Tennessee, by the way, and you know Tennessee hasn't really followed COVID protocols, to be quite honest. And so I'm interested in seeing what they're going to do because it's going to be either not this summer, but I guess obviously next summer they're going to try to do it because of COVID and all that stuff. But I don't know. Let us know, please, because I, I am making a decision, and, and I just do, do it. Go, You're not
2: uh, going to regret it. I feel like you're you're only gonna have fun. It's gonna be a great night. You might reconnect yeah. to people that you didn't realize you should be reconnecting. Oh my god, with. I might
1: have sex with that closeted football player that I'm okay. Always Look at that.
2: Mm. We already see a light in at the end of this tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we always like to hear from you again at LGT shows where you can slide into our DMs on social media and let us know what you think. Coming up, good news. We'll tell you which states have vetoed anti-trans sports bills today. That's next on What's Trending this hour. Coming up this hour, more on Biden's huge climate bill he announced today and how that will impact you. Plus, can you get vaccinated if you have COVID-19? What experts want you to know, that's coming up in 30 minutes. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Houston Police Chief Troy Finner spoke in front of a George Floyd mural that was defaced today. Here's what he had to share.
3: Ignored
6: people with bad hearts and bad motivations do not give them the power. Don't give them the power. Yep. It upsets people when somebody defaces something like this. When our city has been peaceful, the verdict came in and it was the right verdict. Some people are upset about it. Some people are are, are static about it. But one thing here in Houston, we're going to stick together.
2: Now, Derek Chauvin was convicted guilty of three charges for the murder of George Floyd on Tuesday. Now, the governor, governors of North Dakota and Kansas have vetoed bills that would have barred transgender student athletes from competing in high school sports under their gender identity. Governor Doug Burgum, a Republican, vetoed the North Dakota bill yesterday, while Democrat Laura Kelly of Kansas followed that today by vetoing her state's bill. Good on them. Burgum issued a statement saying the bill was not needed and would have unforeseen consequences. So that is very good news. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in the entertainment news,
1: Ryan? All right. So YouTube is taking actions against YouTuber James Charles. It is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So the streaming platform confirmed that Charles has been temporarily blocked from monetization. Uh, the rules see that YouTubers can be penalized for participating in abuse or violence, demonstrating purity, um, participating in fraudulent or deceptive behavior, leading to real-world harm. It's been previously alleged that James Charles used his status on the site to bait and groom minors, including two 16-year-old boys who say they engaged in direct message conversations with the makeup artists that were sexual in nature. Now, James is 21, just to give context there. On April 1st, uh, James Charles actually acknowledged his role in uh, the controversy in a video that he posted, like an apology video that he posted uh, titled, Holding Myself Accountable. Here is um, a little clip of that and what he had to say.
0: Hello everyone, James Charles here and today I'm going to be making a very important video about a very important topic. As Many of you guys know about two years ago now I was involved with a very public online scandal in which some fellow youtubers made some very serious accusations against me And within the past couple of weeks similar accusations are being made again And I think it's very important that I get on camera and talk to you guys honestly about what is going on Uh, When this first happened two years ago, I uploaded a video to my channel called no more lies and that video was a very planned video. It focused on receipts and screenshots and defending myself in the situation. But I want you guys to know that this video that I'm gonna be making today is going to be nothing like No More Lies."
1: So- So wh- how is it different? Here's the thing, he continues to do it um, in this way, where it's like he's not asking folks what their um, ages are. And maybe, I don't know if these people are lying to him and saying they're of age, but they're not. But I just don't understand how, you, I don't see how you get caught up with like kids in your DMs and y'all exchanging nudes and all this and stuff. And how is it so consistent? It's yeah, it's just a consistent like... thing. And this is something to. One, it's a, it's problematic because it, it it continues to people who already see and and view queerness are being LGBTQ as uh you know and they try to make it synonymous to being predatory. Oh, yeah. It just it does not look good it is not okay and at the end of the day if you like James Charles or not he has a huge platform and he is somebody's example of what being queer is yeah and it pisses me off that he continues to get himself into these positions when he should it's I mean it's quite easy just get on a dating app and make sure the only people who are showing you their age are the people are the ages that are over 18 not going into snapchat and finding messages yeah, in, not in best Barton. way to do it. Including yeah, when
2: you're it's a, awful. A, like a huge personality. I mean, it's stupid. I'll give you an example quickly. Like I was dating a YouTuber, right? Right. And he got kicked off of Snapchat because he had um, he'd been messaging back people like with just he, you know, he would walk around with his shirt off, right? Right,
1: right, right. Um,
2: and so he got flagged. After that. He never went into DM people ever or open DMs because he goes, it's not worth it because it's true. You have underage people that are hitting you up. Yeah. You're like a popular person. And that's what happens. And if, it looks weird.
1: It yeah. looks most And that's weird. what you
2: get when you play with fire.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I don't know. James better figure it out. I think this is a temporary thing. But um, if you want to know more about any of the stories that I've covered at WeAreChannelQ.com. Um, Head over there and, of course, keep the conversation going at LGT Show everywhere. I'm done spilling.
2: We're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Animation studio Pixar, you know, the Disney-owned production company, has started a search for a teen actress to, what they're saying, authentically voice a trans youth character in an upcoming project. They have yet to officially comment on the news other than to announce a brief character description and casting criteria. And the casting notice was verified as authentic. It says they're casting this project. The character Jess is a 14-year-old transgender girl. She's compassionate, funny, and always has your back. We're looking for actresses 12 to 17 years old. So that's interesting. Uh, And Pixar introduced... As we know, a gay character in its film Onward last year, voiced by queer actress Lena Waithe. So they're doing good stuff. So they get our Yes Queen of the Day.
1: Love that Yes Queen. And we are back
2: tomorrow, TGIF. We are bringing you, as always, our What's Trending this hour. We're going to be telling you more about Glisten's Day of Silence. And how parents can support a child who comes out as trans. That's tomorrow live on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live. And if you miss any of our shows or podcasts, we... Or, or shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. I almost forgot what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a podcast. It's on the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available. Just search Let's Go There. We are sending you love and light.
1: And honey, remember to slay and don't forget to follow us at LGT Show everywhere.
2: Exactly. And stick around for Love Line with Doc- Dr. Chris, where he's uh, covering male insecurities. Ooh, that's next.